This is just a heartbreaking issue, and it involves a, a London man who has been in hospital for two years. And um, he wants the feds and is asking through his lawyers to fight to have the feds put a halt, a moratorium on assisted suicide until legislation is changed to ensure that patients with disabilities are given the care they need and not pushed into assisted suicide. His name is Roger Foley, and he suffers from a very severe neurological disease that requires constant care. And he alleges that health officials are refusing to give him adequate home care and instead are pushing him to assisted death, which, by the way, he qualifies for. But he wants to live at home, and he claims the only choice that he is being offered other than assisted death is a limited care program through an agency he believes has already failed him. So he is staying in the hospital, but is now being threatened with an $1,800 a day medical bill. And a lot of people have talked about the slippery slope of assisted death. And so you wonder, is this what people were talking? You know, Sarah Palin used to talk about things like death panels and people laughed. Maybe this is what she was talking about. Here is Mr. Foley's lawyer, Ken Berger. Section 7 of the Charter protects a person's life, liberty, and security Mm -hmm. of the person. And we take the position that the current legislation uh, violates the Charter. That's before the court. Um, However, we want that the institutions that uh, are uh, supposed to protect us act immediately because the, the situation of Mr. Foley is very uh, concerning and they can act. As you know, it takes time for a court proceeding to uh, evolve. Certainly, this uh, we've put the, uh, the governments on notice uh, and we demand uh, that this uh, moratorium be put in place immediately. If they don't do that, uh, that's we believe that that's troubling and problematic, and the court can take that into account. All right. So let's bring in Shanaz Gokul, who is with Dying with Dignity. She is Canada's CEO of that. Good to have you. Good to be here. Thank you. So this is one of those delicate conversations. Um, and look, I look at this as a very personal choice, so I don't judge uh, and try not to judge. I look at every situation as very um, independent, and and so I'll look at this situation. But there is a slippery slope that people have talked about. Have you seen that? Uh, no, and I, and I don't see it in this case either, and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, as you've mentioned yourself, this is about choice. Uh, Mr. Foley's case is an example of the safeguards working. Um, you know, knowing all the options that he has and assisted dying being one, he chose not to have it. Um, but I also think that this particular case conflates two very different issues. So the first issue, and I think the really concerning and troubling one, is around the kind of health care that he requires uh, to be able to live in his own home in a way that is safe and um, uh, understands the kind of vulnerabilities that he has. And I think that that's a very important conversation that we should be having. Uh, the connection um, to medical assistance in dying Um, I don't think, I think it's a completely separate issue, and I'm not sure that they're connected. I think he's made it clear he doesn't want to have an assisted death, and of course that's his choice. So the real issue is, is what kind of care can Mr. Foley, but also other Canadians who are facing similar difficult uh, choices in terms of the kind of care and where they can receive it in a hospital, you know, in in their home, in a hospice, what does that actually look like for some of the most vulnerable people? And I think that 
is a conversation that is well worth having, very important. So if I understand you, then this becomes a conversation of we don't have the resources, we do not have the finances invested in health care. Therefore, a guy like Roger Foley, and there are, there are many, many people out there who need long-term care, it's simply not available in this in this country anymore because we have the system we have, uh, someone who needs, you know, round-the-clock care, you can't get access to it. It's very difficult to get access to that without being in a hospital. We don't have that kind of home care. You know, and it's and it's, it's a problem. It's a problem for people. You know, Mr. Foley, um, you know, he lives, in, I don't want to say an urban, urban center. He's not not as big as, as Toronto, but he lives in, a, in an urban center. And then we see this problem, of course, uh, gets amplified when you have people who live in rural and remote communities mm-hmm. um, where there may not be a facility for them to go into. And I think, you know, what we, uh, another way to look at this is that these situations around the kind of care that people require, whether it's palliative care or ongoing care for people with long-term and severe disabilities, um, the unfortunate thing is, is that it's because of assisted dying that um, we now have a spotlight on these kinds of issues that should have been discussed for decades before, right? And so instead of sort of looking at um, vilifying assisted dying or saying that assisted dying is impairing Mr. Foley's right to life, liberty, and security of the person, mm-hmm. because that is clearly not the case here. He does not want to have an assisted death, and no one in this country will have an assisted death unless that's what they choose. And instead, we can see that because of assisted dying and because of the conversations around end-of-life and end-of-life care, that a case like Mr. Foley's can be given the kind of attention that it needs in terms of what kind of care does he require uh, to live you know, his life with dignity. I can't speak to all the facts of this case because I don't know, but I do know that that conversation is a very important one. The choice, though, for him, and I think there, I I, I gather that he's not the only person in this situation, is that what choice does he have? Because if he's going to get kicked out of the hospital or an $1,800 a day bill, um, and he can't get the round uh, clock care that he he wants or, or needs more to save his life, what other choice does he have? I mean, inevitably, it will take a toll. Who wants to live like that? Well, this is just it, but yeah. I mean, Mr. Foley, Mr. Foley has made a choice, right? Mr. Foley has made a choice um, to take on this battle in, t- in terms of the self-directed care he would prefer to have at home. But I really, it's not my area of expertise, I really can't comment on. And he has made a choice that he wants he wants someone and, you know, the, the uh, various levels of government and the health authorities and the hospitals um, to engage in this question around his case. And, you know, I think that conversation is a really important one, but he you know, he has exercised a choice and, you know, he's doing it for himself and perhaps on others, for, for others as well. But I just think that we have to be careful not to pull uh, medical assistance in dying into a situation that he's already clearly exercised his choice for. He doesn't yeah. want it, right? So they're very different and we have to be careful not to conflate while at the same time not minimizing um, sort of the impacts and the severity on him um, and the life that he would like to leave that he is, you know, suffering um, uh, in this hospital and having difficulty exercising. That is a that is a very di- different and distinct conversation. Yeah, it's a very complex issue. I Thank you so much for your insight. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. That is uh, Shanaz Gokul, who is with Dying with Dignity. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.